Welcome back to another episode of the We Live to Build podcast. Recruiting, onboarding, retaining, and upskilling should be one of the things every company owner thinks about and develops a solid strategy around. Because without a team, your company won't survive in the long term. Today's guest is Pia Beck, the CEO of Curate Well Co., which coaches impact-driven entrepreneurs who want to intentionally scale while maintaining the integrity of their work and without losing connection to their community. Pia spent a lot of time in HR management before starting this company and can relate to the nuances of bringing humanity to the forefront of your organization. We talk about how can you establish an HR strategy? How do you know the first person to hire for, the second, the third, etc.? What is the best way to search for potential people? How can you set up a hiring process that measures everyone in the same way? What would a normal hiring process look like? What are great questions you ask during an interview? And the three things she gives her employees, plus a lot more. So thanks to much. So thanks so much to Pia, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to We Live to Build. My name is Sean Weisbrot, and I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and advisor based in Asia for over 12 years. Join us every week to fast track your personal growth so you can meet the ever increasing demands of the company or companies you are passionately building. Time waits for no one, so let's get started now. So welcome to the show, Pia. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me about human resource management. I know it's a dry topic for many, but it's actually extremely important for making your company successful. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So before we begin, why don't you tell everyone what it is you're doing right now and why you are the right person to talk about this topic? Yeah, definitely. So I am the owner of Curate Wellco, which is coaching, consulting, and community for impact-driven entrepreneurs who want to scale intentionally. What I do is help my clients optimize their impact of their largely service-based businesses without losing connection to their community. I serve mostly female entrepreneurs who are out to make a difference in the world. And I came from a career in HR, people operations, and recruiting. So I found surprisingly that a lot of that world has carried over and really set me up for success in the entrepreneurial world. I got started in recruiting. I was recruiting software engineers at a tech company. I moved on to be the head of HR at a national startup company, managing the whole HR function. And uh, notably in that role, really helping the company create trickle-down HR processes to be able to serve teams in cities all over the country where I wasn't. When I started my own business, I thought I was leaving all of that world behind. And it's actually experience that I'm just so glad that I had that has just served me super well in my entrepreneurial journey in you know, a direct sense in, in growing my own team and in a lot of indirect ways as well. So excited to, to be here and to be able to talk about this. Thanks for the introduction. I really appreciate it. One question or two questions, I guess, before we get into the meat of the conversation, what was the size of that team from that company and why did you want to leave the company? 
Yeah. So it was um, when I joined about 70, 75 people. By the time I left, it was uh, somewhere between 150 and 175. So really fast growth, large team in four different time zones. And uh, the reason why I left was, you know, I was really good at parts of my job and I really enjoyed parts of my job. And ultimately I felt like I could make a bigger difference by doing things my own way and, and doing them in a different format. I love working with people and I love process and I got to do both of those things in that job. And I get to do both of those things now and, you know, on my own terms and in my own way, I get to be way more creative and I get to ultimately help more people. Okay. Makes sense. I I can definitely see that. I remember being an HR manager for two companies before I started my own. I found it to be hard just because of the circumstance that the first company belonged to my dad. So I was basically walking into a business where, you know, these people are in their fifties, some of them in their sixties. They've been with my dad for years. They know him as the boss. And now I come in and and take over and who am I like, yeah, you're just the doctor's son. So I I had to fight with them on that a little bit. I ended up firing all of them because they refused to acknowledge that I was their boss. uh, And you know, they were being difficult. But when I hired the next uh, group of people to replace them all, I was able to then teach them better ways of doing things. Because for example, like my dad's a dentist, so they had a software that they use. And in order for me to be able to manage them, I had to understand the software better than them. Some of these people had been using this software for 20 years. And I came in in two weeks and and figured out how to use it better than they did. And so they didn't really like the idea that like this kid, this 25 year old, you know, comes in and tells me how to do my job. But the reality was I knew how to do the, I know I knew how to use the software better than them because I figured out, you know, how to hack it basically and was able to make a lot of changes. Anyways, uh, the, the second job, I also hired, uh, was in a company where the people who were working there weren't terribly great. And so I insisted on changing the contract structure and and how we paid them and increasing salaries and then hired a new group of people that were outside of the country. This was in China. So I was hiring people to come into China for the first time. And so I was able to get much better talent and all that. So I also really enjoyed the process of figuring out what's not working. How can I fix it? How can I make it better? Uh, And then how can I find the right people to fit into that system? Because the system that was existing before doesn't work very well. And the people uh, have already gotten complacent. And so that it's hard to get them to change. So with that rant over, let's get into HR strategy and how can you establish a strategy for your company? So I think that what this really comes down to is a couple things. I think that there's no like one right or wrong way to put a strategy in place for your human resource function. In my experience, it comes down to having a long-term vision of where you see the company going and arguably more important, where you see each person in the company going and having core values that really dictate how you do what you do in the business. And then a really crucial step is enrolling your people in both of those things. I think that if you have those two things in place, everything else will come as you start the doing. And I think that, you know, when it comes to finding the right people, enrolling the right people, getting people engaged and activated and interested, you have to operate in that intersection of the company's best interest and those people's personal 
interest. And I think that that comes through having the vision, having the values and enrolling people in that so that you can share those things together and have them really understand how their time at your company is going to support their own personal vision and their own personal goals. You said something I want to clarify. You made me feel like when you have a vision, you're establishing this vision before you hire people? Yes. Obviously, product and and corporate vision, obviously, you need to have that before you you know, you hire people, but I'm talking about an HR vision, an HR strategy before you start hiring anybody. Is that right? Yeah, I think I think vision in all sense. And I think that if you're going to pull people into what you're doing, having a clear vision of how you want your team to operate, what you want your team to feel like, what are your operating principles? How do you work together? How does each person play a role in what you're doing? What are the roles that you want to have? What is the balance of the different types of personalities you want to have on your team? I think all those things are important before you bring people into that with you. Okay, well, that makes more sense because I guess the way you said it made me feel like you should know exactly like who you should hire, when you should hire them and, and all that. And I think from my experience, it's it's kind of hard to know how that's going to work until you start to see where are the gaps in my abilities and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I agree with you on that 100%. We've definitely hired at Curate Well Co. in a very like agile sense, I would say. Okay. So then once you have a company strategy and an HR strategy for the culture you want to build and things like that, how can you determine the first position to hire for, the second position, et cetera? What's been really helpful for me and how I did this and, and what I recommend is to do an audit on how you're spending your time. What are the most time-consuming tasks that you have in your role? And then analyzing those things. So is this something that I need to be doing? Is this the thing that I want to be spending this much time on? And which of these things that I'm spending this much time on could be handed off to somebody else, could be done better by somebody else potentially. Um, And so identifying what are those main things that you spend your time on and then looking at, I would say the top like three to five and analyzing, do I need to do this? Like truthfully, is this something that I need to own for the success of this company? Or is this something that would be better handled by somebody else? And I would hire to fill like those specific needs. And then as the company grows, as the demand grows, as the inner workings grow, other gaps will start to reveal themselves. Okay, that seems like a pretty wise strategy. I like the idea of doing things in an agile way. When I first started uh, Sidekick, we weren't terribly agile. We thought we were, but we weren't because I didn't understand what agile really meant. And uh, in, I'd say in the last year, I've learned to be more agile. So yeah, that's, that's good advice. So once you know, I guess, the next position you should be hiring for, how do you find that person? What is the best way to search for potential candidates? I think this really depends on the business. Um, I mean, you can definitely post a job ad. You can you know, collect applications, you can put it out on the internet in all the places where people look for jobs. And what has worked really well for the type of business that I run and the size of team that I have and that I want is building long-term relationships in my community. I was building relationships with people who were telling me that they liked what I was doing, who expressed some degree of interest in getting involved in some capacity for a long time before I was actually ready to hire. And so when it came time to actually build my team, I had this network of people who either had expressed interest in working with me, who I then interviewed and, and qualified, and or knew someone who 
wanted to be involved. And so I took a really community-based approach to building my team and really sourced from the relationships that I'd been building long before I, I was actually ready to bring someone on. There's pros and cons to that. I think that it was really important to me to have people who were bought in to what Carrie Wellco was doing, right? Who had interest before they saw the job wreck go up um, and who really could get behind the ethos of what we're up to. And you, you'll definitely widen your, your candidate pool by posting online, by talking to people that you wouldn't have met otherwise. So pros and cons to both, I think. That's an interesting strategy for sure. I've actually just hired someone a week ago to be a web developer and he joined our Telegram channel like six or seven months ago and he's been following our development. We didn't even have a web strategy at that point. And when we posted that we were looking for a web developer, he was one of the first people to apply and we hired him like a week later. So I, I definitely understand that's a great way to do it. Another thing that I've done is when I want to hire a new position, I'll ask every single one of my team members, can you recommend someone for this position? For example, if I have an Android developer and I need another Android developer, I'll ask that Android developer, do you have someone else that you've worked with who's good in Android that we could potentially hire? I think talking to your current team, if you have a team already, Talking to your team and getting them to recommend people is the fastest way to get other great talent because if you have hired this person and you trust them and they're telling you they've worked with someone and they trust that person, then it's natural that by extension, you should trust them as well. And so the process for hiring is a lot shorter because of it. So how can you set up a hiring process that measures everyone in the same way so that you know when you're hiring someone from your candidate pool, you're hiring the right person. This is one of the things that when I was like really deep in the HR world that I actually saw a lot of resistance to quite often. And it is super, super important to make sure that you're comparing apples to apples instead of apples to oranges. And so putting everyone through an identical process is really, really necessary, not only to do, to do your due diligence and make sure that you're hiring the right person, but also to make sure that you are being objective and fair in how you are evaluating your candidates. So it really just looks like making sure that every single person has the same experience. So for a particular job, all the candidates need to have the same experience. They need to go through the same process and they need to be asked the same question. So for example, let's say that you've mapped out an interview process that has uh, some sort of intro call, a preliminary interview, and then a secondary interview, and then a third interview with the team. Every single person in that candidate pool for that position should go through all of those interviews. And within those interviews, they should be asked the same set of questions so that you can really confidently say that you are comparing apples to apples and you're not taking person A's answer to question one and comparing it to person B's answer to question two, right? We want to make sure that we're comparing as the same information for all people. And so it looks like mapping your hiring process out uh, in advance so that you can ensure that every single person has the exact same experience. Yeah, makes sense. I was going to ask, what does a normal hiring process look like? But I guess you kind of already outlined it. So I'll just share real quick the hiring process that I use for Sidekick. So what I'll do is I'll normally have a, an informal text-based chat with them on whatever platform they found me or I found them like LinkedIn or Messenger or whatever. I'll make sure I'll, I'll th ask things like, you know, what, why do you want to leave your company right now? Uh, or do you plan on leaving the company? Some people don't want to leave their company, but they want another job or whatever. You know, if we were to hire you, how soon could you, you know, be full-time? Because some people, like in the Philippines, for example, have to give one month's notice or two months' notice. So they'll end up, because I ask, I'll say, well, can you work for us part-time or can you double full-time 
for us, you know, while you're waiting for that month to end. So I'm basically just trying to get a sense of, you know, who is this person? What are they looking for? Do we agree on certain things? And and if that's okay, then uh, the next step will be like a hard skills test. So if they're a coder, all right, well, here's a coding test, do the test and we'll review it. Oftentimes they will not be perfect. So we'll say, all right, this is the pros. This is the cons of your submission. Go and fix those things and show us that you can improve. And so that gives us the chance to see like, oh, well, are they angry that we've told them their things are bad? Or so how do they respond to this, you know, criticism where we give them positive and negative feedback on what they've done. And, you know, if they, if they listen and they, they made the changes, then obviously they're someone who's open-minded. So, okay, we could probably work with them and their code's not bad. And then we'll have an interview where I will specifically ask them questions that I've picked that are based on psychology so I can understand their personality and and their potential to fit into our culture, things like that. More recently, I've been hiring people without those questions, but instead their interview after the coding test will be like, this is a problem that we're currently dealing with. How would you solve it? Tell me right now, like just take a few minutes to think, but tell me how you would solve it. And then we listen to them explain their thought process and, and that helps us to understand if they actually have the ability to strategize, plan, and then execute. And so that's been very important for us in hiring fantastic people. So what are some great questions you would ask during an interview when you're dealing with people? The way that I like to phrase my questions is actually in the past tense and and eliciting a specific example. So instead of saying, how would you do X, Y, and Z, almost like a hypothetical, I like to ask, tell me about a time when you did X, Y, and Z. What worked? What didn't? What did you learn? What would you do differently next time? And really, the very first thing I'm paying attention to is, did they listen to the question and are they giving a specific example? And do they have a specific example to give? Right away, that's going to tell you whether or not they're a good fit. And then depending on how they go about answering the rest of that question, you can get a feel for exactly what you were talking about. It's one of my favorite ways to ask interview questions because people tend to know the quote unquote right answer to a question. And so if you ask for a specific example, you're calling upon them to actually speak to an experience they've had. And it's just going to give you so much more information. Yeah, it's a great example. I love those as well. I I also have some really uh, weird questions that people are like, what the hell? Did you really just ask that? Are humans the, the best thing or the worst thing to ever happen to Earth? Or uh, are humans the smartest creatures on the planet? What are you getting at with those questions? Like what, what's, the, what's the why behind those questions? What are you hoping to understand? If a person believes that humans are the best species in the planet or the best thing that happened to Earth, then I would question their sense of general self-awareness and, and global awareness. Because the reality is humans are destroying the planet. There's a lot of negative things that are happening to the planet because of human behavior. And so So while a human is brainwashed to believe that humans are great and probably the greatest of all species because we can collaborate, we can communicate, we can do X, Y, and Z, the reality is we don't really know much about most of the other species. Like we know that dolphins and whales save humans. We know that, you know, sharks aren't really that dangerous. They are quite friendly if you're, you know, non-threatening. So there's a lot of species that are social, that communicate, that have their own societies. What makes humans any better than them, right? So I like to get deep into the psychology of people and and see just how self-aware they are. Yeah, I get that now. Thanks for that explanation. Super helpful to understand what your thought process was there. Sure. And so I also have things like, if you could travel uh, in time, where would you go? 
why would you go there and what would you do or who would you meet? Like what, what's your purpose in going there? Because again, everybody has their own thought process. So some people will be like, yeah, I want to go back and meet, you know, the leader. Like I want to meet Winston Churchill. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Someone will be like, oh, I want to meet Jesus. Okay. Like that, if that's what you think is what you want to do, like, that's fine. You know, why, why do you want to do that? So I really love to do that because they are questions people aren't normally asked. And so it just gives you a totally different angle of their personality. I love that. The widening of the perspective of just like seeing a side of someone that they wouldn't necessarily show if you didn't ask those questions. I love that. Would you ask someone what their expected salary is or ask them what their last salary was. I would ask both because I want to know where they're, and then I would ask follow-up questions around that. Like, tell me about your full compensation structure, what worked for you, what didn't work for you, et cetera. And, you know, I think that there's a like playing of the game that happens in salary negotiations, right? Of like, I'm not going to say it first, you say it first. There's this kind of like unspoken conversation. And I think that having, being on the same page as someone is necessary to continue any sort of conversation. And so if we can not play the game at all. <laughs> the way to win the game is to not play the game. If we can not play the game and just get on the same page and have a really open conversation about where you want to be financially and, and whether or not that's something that my company would be able to provide for you or not, I think that that's just a way to kick off the relationship in a really transparent and mutually respective way. I've been asking people what their expected salary was. I haven't been asking what they were paid before. My COO wanted me to stop asking what they expect and start asking what they were making and then tell them what we can offer because he he's mapped out uh, market averages and range, you know, salary ranges based on skill grades in different positions, things like that. You know, I, I really come from the perspective and like, especially with my team, this has been a huge learning lesson for me in the past year is that, you know, I'm, I'm a super logical, practical, heady person and we can do all the projections. We can do the market analysis. We can do the pro forma and say, this is what we have in our budget to be able to hire these people. And that's all really good, really necessary work. And at the end of the day, you're hiring humans. And there's a certain human element that I think if if that's not honored, it's just going to bubble up later has been like my experience. <laughs> and so is there a way to blend the very necessary like business planning and structure with the fact that you know work is a huge part of our lives it's a huge part of our human experience and is there a way in how we interview people how we hire people how we create the culture in our businesses to blend those two yeah and i think that's where my coo and i do well together because I am very in the mindset of the humanity of what we do, and he is very much in the data and the analysis of what we do. And so I think that complements as well, because I don't want to sit there and analyze the numbers. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm happy to let him do all of that stuff. He will tell me, okay, you're greenlit to hire a software tester and I'll go and I'll find them and I'll go through the process with them. Yeah. It's a huge part of our culture too. And, and I think it's important to bring that up in the hiring process, right? To say, we will ask you to think differently. We will put you in positions that are maybe uncomfortable. And if that's going to help you get to where you want to be personally, if that's going to support your personal and professional goals then great, we're aligned. That's a great fit. So what's something I haven't asked you so far that you wish I would ask about the hiring process and 
HR and all that. One thing we haven't talked a lot about, which is something that's um, really important to me is just the workplace culture, whether you're actually in a workplace or virtually, most of us are working virtually now, and especially in a virtual workplace, the culture that we create, I think is super, super important. This has been a really big focus for me the last year on my team. And especially as an entrepreneur, when you're bringing other people into your vision, when you're rolling people in your vision, you're sharing it with them. And And it's been one of the more challenging and also fulfilling parts of hiring and and, and having an HR function within my own business is how do we define the culture and how do we set the tone for what this company is doing in a way that is digestible and implementable for everyone. And so, you know, there's certain things that in my career I never, ever got when I worked for anybody else. And I was like, when I have my own team, you're going to get these three things because no one ever gave me that. And I want to be able to give you that. You know, if that fits for you, if that's appealing to you, great. If not, then, you know, we'll have that conversation separately. And on the flip side, really making sure that the way that I want our work to go is documented and communicated in a way that sets people up to take full ownership. And I think those things are fairly intertwined, but those are just a few of kind of the cultural pieces that have been huge for us in the last year. What are those three things that you said you never got at other companies that you wanted to give yours? Mentorship and growth opportunities was really the first one. You know, I had a lot of great managers. I had a lot of great bosses. I was put in positions where I did grow and I rarely had like a mentor on my team who was continuously giving me feedback and pouring into me and pushing me to be better. Um, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm super type A. And so I think a lot of my managers were like, oh, she's good. Like she's on top of it. And I really craved someone to like, push me. And so that's a huge part of our culture is we're always going to be integrating the feedback. We're always going to be challenging ourselves to do this differently. The second thing was um, a really generous PTO policy. Um, I wanted my team to have like, yes, competitive for our industry and the size business that we are, but also competitive like in the US. (laughs) Um, It was really important to me that we were kind of ahead of the curve on that. And then the third thing is just like flexibility. Um, So for example, we do fade out Fridays. So if you got your stuff done, when you're done on Friday, like you can leave. There's no reason for you to punch a clock or stick around, like get your stuff done and head out for your weekend as soon as you want to. So those are a couple of the things that I just know I would really would have appreciated when I was employed by other people. Those are all very important things. Uh, I, I agree with doing all of them uh, within my own team. And I've mentioned this before, With my team, I don't know when they clock in and when they clock out. I don't ask. All I know is I can see that they're doing something, right? I I can see that they're pushing code. As long as I see people getting things done, I don't care what hour of the day they want to do it, right? I don't need you to be in your seat at 9 a.m. If you are a person who sleeps until 2 p.m. and you work from 3 p.m. to to midnight, like, I don't care. But it's also because a lot of the people that I hire are already married and or have kids. And so I need to have them focus on their family life first and their personal life so that when they are ready to work, there's nothing stopping them or blocking them mentally from being able to focus on their work. With the mentorship as well, the team 
is always helping each other. Like, so I, I have a weekly report that I have everyone fill out and it's the same report every week and it's the same report for everybody where it's like, how do you feel overall this past week on a scale of one to 10 in terms of your mood and your mental clarity and things like that? Eight, nine, ten, 10, whatever. Um, sometimes it's five. Okay, well, you know, let me talk to them. Why is it a five? Like, are you okay? Is there something going on at home that you want to talk about? Everything I ask is very specific in, in how we can understand the person because I don't have the time to talk to everyone from the team all day long, right? Some of the people I may only talk to for the hour during our call and I don't have time to talk to them the rest of the week or they don't have any questions for me about their work. So we don't really need to communicate and I'm busy trying to do something else. Um, So these reports let me have insight into their week without needing to have a conversation with them about it unless they say something in the report that I think needs to be addressed. You get really great insight into people's psychology through these kinds of reports. I love that. And as well with the paid time off, I've offered everybody 10 holidays, including one of them being their birthday, because everybody's in different countries and different religions and different cultures. So I can't say you're allowed to have the 4th of July, but you're not allowed to have, uh, you know, Independence Day for your own country. So instead of allowing everybody to have the different random holidays for their country that we have no way to manage, I came together with my COO and said, we're going to have a certain number of days that we pick. So like we chose Isaac Newton's birthday and Marie Curie's birthday, uh, International Women's Day. So we picked like stuff that we really feel strongly about people should be celebrating. And we said, these are the official company holidays and your birthday is one of them. That's awesome. I love that. I love the the holiday solution that you came up with. That makes a lot of sense for, for where your team is and, and how you guys operate. So what's something that you've learned recently that you're imp- implementing in your life? I learned today about the impact that Drumbeat has on your left right brain integration. So um, I had a call today with my therapist therapist who does some shamanic work, she played this drum beat for me and it was kind of unguided meditation almost. And it was really cool how without any sort of prompt, just in response to this drum beat, my brain just kind of started conjuring up its own like visualizations. Like I've done a lot of, of guided visualization exercises and I've never really done any like sound-based or music-based visualization exercises. So there was no prompting or anything. Um, and it was really, really cool to see how my brain kind of just like picked right up and and just did all the work. That was something I hadn't experienced before that I'm now very curious about. And you you hadn't uh, taken like mushrooms or LSD or anything you were so when you did this experience? Yeah, it was like two hours ago. <laughs> totally sober. I have friends that have taken ayahuasca in South America and they, they speak to ayahuasca being uh, an extremely powerful hallucinogenic. I've never really heard of people having these kinds of experiences sober. So it's definitely very interesting. I know the brain is very powerful. It was a really cool experience. I mean, similar to you, I you know have heard of you know various substance induced experiences similar, but it was, yeah, it was just all, all sound based. It was really cool. Great. So how can people follow up with you? Uh, Best way to find us is on Instagram. Uh, that's where we are putting out the most timely updates. Our handle is Curate Well Co. So you can give us a follow there. And um, we've got lots of free content. It's where we make all of our announcements. Great way to get involved with our community. Thank you very much for your time. This has been a fascinating conversation. If you like this episode, reach out to Pia and her team through Instagram. And I'll have the links on the show notes at welivetobuild.com slash listen. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people to find us. And don't forget that entrepreneurship is a marathon, not a sprint. So take care of yourself and take care of your people every day. Thank you, Pia. Thanks, Sean.